views our work and wisdom for working. And so we're going to do that today. And I am blessed with uh, really the best job in the world. I mean, or at least I've been told I have the best job in the world because people will come up and say, that is so awesome that, that you have a job where you only have to work one hour a week. And um, <clears throat> I thought I had a good uh, until I watched the Olympics and then I saw sprinters. And then it's like, they only work 10 seconds every four years. I mean, so, I mean, that's the job to have. I mean, but anyway, we all have our own jobs. It's hard to really put our finger, though, on the pulse of uh, how Americans think about work because it's so, uh, so diverse. I mean, there are people that absolutely hate their jobs. They don't want to get up in the morning. They don't want to go to work. They just go because they have to, and they hate their jobs. There's this other group on the other side of the spectrum that are obsessed with their jobs. And that's all they ever talk about, and that's all they ever do, and really excludes a lot of other things in their life. And what's interesting is that even though they might be obsessed with their job, it doesn't mean they're happy with their job. They might still hate it, but they're obsessed with it, and, and most of us don't find fulfillment in the job that we have. And so I want to talk about that today, because you are going to spend 150,000 hours of your life working Sorry to depress you on Labor Day weekend, but 40 to 60% of your, average, of your waking hours will be spent working. If you're a professional, right now you are probably spending uh, an average of 52 hours a week working, and if you own the business or you are an operator of a business, you are, chances are you're working 57 hours a week. That's the average, and so you might say, well, I wish I was only working that, or I wish I could work some more, but the, the fact is this, that you will spend more time working, commuting to work, thinking about work, than anything else in your life. You'll be more focused on your work and involved with your work than you will be with your family. You'll spend more time at work than you will with your friends or doing leisure activities or, or even spiritual activities. So whether we like it or not, the truth is that work dominates our lives. Our work dominates our lives, and so we better find out what God says about work. I and mean, if it's something that we're all doing, and, and some of us get paid for what we do, some of us don't, but if we're all working, we better see what God says about it, and we don't want to hide out from Him at work. And that's what I love about the book of Proverbs, because Proverbs tells us how God wants us to succeed in life, but he gives us a lot of valuable insight in how to succeed at work. And there's a promise in Proverbs 16.3, and I'm going to uh, have you look it up if you can, but we're, we're going to go pretty quick with a lot of verses today, so you might want to write these down. And so that's why I wanted you to get your sermon notes out so that you can take these verses down. But here's a promise for you from Proverbs 16.3. Commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. Proverbs also has a lot to talk about when it comes to laziness. There's a number of warnings in Scripture. Proverbs 10.4 says, Lazy hands makes a man poor. Proverbs 12.11 says, He who chases fantasies lacks judgment. Proverbs 18.9, one who is slack in his work is brother to one who destroys. 
I know our congregation pretty well, and I know that there aren't lazy people around here. I know you all work very hard, but Proverbs is a book that talks about consequences. Proverbs is a book that says if, if you do this, there's a corresponding result. And so I want to see what he has to say about work because no more, I mean, nowhere more than work do you, do you have consequences for good and bad behavior. It says in Proverbs 14, 23, all hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Now, I know that some people see people work their whole life and they work their fingers to the bone and they end up with nothing and you can say, how could that be? They worked so hard. Well, there is things like money management. You have to live within your means. You have to manage your money well. And Proverbs talks about that. But, but working and being successful is so much more than just about the, the sweat that, that, you, that you give when you work. It's, it's about what does God tell you to do at work? How are you blessed at work? And that's the best way to work for the Lord. And so I believe God wants to bless you at work. And so let's look at what he says in the book of Proverbs so that we can do the things that gives God the opportunity to bless us when we work. And the first thing we can do, and you can write this down, is we need to fine-tune our motives. Fine-tune our motives. Why do you work? Specifically, why do you do the job you do? Is it for pay? I mean, is that the only reason? Is it because you have so many bills or you owe so much money that you just have to work and so you do? Is it because this is the only place in the entire world that will hire you? Is that why you work there? Money is a motivation for work, but it's never a good motivation. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, I want to get paid for working. I know you want to get paid for working. I understand that. But if the only reason you're showing up for work is a paycheck... That's going to be very evident to the people around you. It's going to be very evident to your boss, and it's really going to destroy your understanding of what God wants to do through you at work. I mean, think about it. Would you want to hire a lawyer that just saw you as billable hours? I mean, just somebody that said, hey, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll hire you. Or, yeah, yeah come on, I'll, I'll do your work for you. Or do you want somebody who believes in your case? who will go to fight for you in court. Do you want to go to a doctor who, when he sees your illness, thinks, all right, a down payment on a Lexus, here we go. Or do you want a doctor who sees you when you're hurting and says, I want to heal you? You don't want to be viewed as money. And so we shouldn't go to work just for our paycheck. Money is never a good motive for working. But neither is self-promotion. This idea that I want to I get to the top. I'll do whatever it takes to, to rise above everyone else, and then I can find my value and my self-worth. But whatever it takes, I'm going to the top. And you step over anybody that you can, and, and you find shortcuts, and you find things that make you look good, and then you take credit for work that you didn't even do. And the whole time, you're really destroying the environment around you. And even if you do climb that ladder, you better be looking behind you because there might be somebody looking for revenge. So money and, and self-promotion aren't the only reasons we go to work. I mean, think about uh, your favorite major league sports team or think about just sports in general. 
we can always recognize the guy that shows up for the paycheck. We, we know when we see somebody going just to pad their statistics, that they're in the game just for themselves. And very rarely will ever a person like that become a legend in the game. I mean, think about our city alone, Chicago. When you think of sweetness, Walter Payton on the Chicago Bears, that guy did not show up for the paycheck. He did not do it just for himself. He did it for many years on a team where he was the only one doing the heavy lifting. And he said, come on, guys, whatever we need to do, we're going to do. When you think of uh, Ernie Banks and the Cubs, you don't think of a guy that showed up for a paycheck. You see a guy who loved the game. When you think of Michael Jordan, you don't think of, of someone that was just out there for the money, although he was handsomely paid, wasn't he? But he's a legend because of how hard he worked. He had a different motivation. So what should your motivation be? I'm going to give you three things here real quickly. Our motivation for working should be an opportunity to serve God. It's an opportunity to serve God. Work is not a curse. As we saw in the video, it's actually a blessing. It was given to us by God before the fall. It is not a waste of time. It's an opportunity to serve God. And listen to me, God would not design a life for you where you spent the majority of your life working, doing something, if it was just futile. He has a purpose and He has a reason for it. And one of the reasons is that you can serve Him. That you can serve Him while you work and He will receive that offering. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Whatever you do, do it for the Lord. He receives that. We all have a human boss. And if you are the boss or you own the business, your customer's walking through the door, they're the boss. But we all have an opportunity to serve someone who is above us. We have that opportunity to see our job as an act of service to God. And that's a great motivation, isn't it? To say, I'm going to work in this job and serve the Lord. Another uh, motive that we can have is your job is an opportunity to serve others. It's a job, or it's an opportunity to serve others. I can't think of a job that a person has that you don't somehow, some way, serve other people. That what you do for a living somehow benefits someone else. It might be directly, it might be indirectly, but we need to take pleasure that, guess what? We get paid to serve other people. That somehow, some way, we're being paid to serve someone else. I was out to lunch with a friend this week, a good friend for many, many years. And this friend actually has a son my age. And so we were talking, and he said, I talked to my son uh, a few weeks back, and, and he said, Dad, all I'm doing is work, work, work. Now, how many of us middlers can raise our hands and say, all we do is work, work, work. And so he was kind of just venting to his dad, all I do is work, work, work work. This wise father told his son, I want you to change something. I want you to change a word in what you're saying, and, and by changing this word, you're going to change your heart, you're going to change your attitude, and then instead of saying, all I do is work, 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 so I want you to say, all I do 
is serve, serve, serve. That changes everything, doesn't it? All I do is serve. Because value is determined by how many you serve. Not how many serve you, but how many you serve. That's where true value comes from. And so let serving others be a motivation for your work. And also, we, we see that our job is an opportunity to serve ourselves. I mean, maybe you don't get paid as much as you want to. I mean, really, who does? <laughs> Seriously, come on. But you are getting paid. And you can live where you live and drive what you drive and do what you do. And maybe you have a little money left over to travel or or to do something fun, or participate in a hobby, or, or whatever, but, but you, you get to be paid for serving others. And so it kind of benefits you. You get paid to work, and that's a beautiful thing. And listen, you are not doing your boss a favor by showing up for work, right? You're there to do a job. That's what you get paid for. You're not doing anybody a favor. You're there to work hard. It says Proverbs 16 and 26, the laborer's appetite works for him. His hunger drives him. And so we have that drive in our heart that we need to keep eating. We need to pay our bills. We need to do these things. But don't miss out on the blessing of work as well. That I get to work as unto the Lord. That God has placed me there for a, uh, an influence, a reason. There's something there that's important for me to do. And and I get to serve Him, and I get to serve other people, either directly or indirectly. And, and in the process, I get paid. And I can have a life. And thank you, God, for those pleasures. So that's the motive of our heart. So we talked about motives. The second thing is, is make a commitment to quality. Make a commitment to quality. Thomas Watson, the founder of IBM, said, if you want to be a big company tomorrow, you have to start acting like one today. Now, this is true for all of our lives and when we go to work. If, if you want to be a supervisor tomorrow, start acting like one today. I mean, if you want a promotion tomorrow, start doing what it takes to get that promotion today. If you want to be a success tomorrow, plant the seeds of success today. There has to be that commitment to quality to go to the next level and for God to bless you on the job. It says in Proverbs 22:29, do you see a man skilled in his work? He will serve before kings. He will not serve before obscure men. We should be constantly improving, looking for how we can grow the gifts that God has given us. We need to make that commitment to quality and to grow. Too often I, I see people uh, approach a job with the attitude, well, what's the least I can do and get away with it? Or maybe you hear someone say, well, it's good enough for who it's for. And those type of attitudes, those types of sayings, those phrases, that just that shows the heart and the lack of commitment to quality. Because there's another phrase that you've probably heard so many times, but it bears repeating. And you could probably say this phrase even before I, I finish it, but there's this phrase that says, if a job's worth doing, it's worth doing well. Yeah. It's worth doing right. It's worth doing well. The problem is some of us work in environments where quality isn't rewarded. You have a boss who doesn't or never will appreciate the extra effort. 
But you got to remember who you're really working for. You're not working for that boss. You're not working for the recognition. You're working for the Lord as unto Him. You're working for the people that you serve. You are working for yourself. And that's why we make that commitment to quality. It says in Proverbs 18.9, one who is slack in his work is brother to one who destroys. There's something destructive when we don't do our job with quality. I mean, really think about it for just a moment. Think about the restaurant that you went to and the service is so poor and the quality of food is so bad, you'll never go back again. Or to that business you went to and, and, and something happened with an employee and they were rude or whatever, it's like, I'm not going back there anymore. And there's an untold amount of money lost by that business because of those employees and they'll never be able to recoup it and you don't want to be that employee. Don't be that employee. Work with quality, even if it's not seen, even if it's not rewarded. Give it all to the Lord and to the people that you serve, and God will bless you. So we work with the right heart, the right motive. We work with quality. And then thirdly, we strive for diligence. Proverbs tells us to strive for diligence. Now, what is diligence? Diligence is basically perseverance. It's sticking with something day in and day out. It's doing your job consistently the same way every day, day after day, week after week, year after year, that you are diligent. Cal Ripken Jr. was a good shortstop, though he wasn't the best to ever play the game. He became a legend not because he was the best. He became a legend because he was there all the time. For 2,632 games over 16 years, he played the position and never missed a game. Once in a while, he was brilliant, but he was always diligent. And that made him a success and actually made him one of the greatest legends of baseball. It's this diligence that matters. It says in Proverbs 12, 24, diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in slave labor. The biggest mistake you can make as an employee is thinking, well, I'm going to have these flashes of brilliance and my boss will see it and that will lead to promotion or to a raise or to whatever. So I'm going to do these things that people will see. And let me just tell you this, just so you know, bosses aren't omniscient. They're not going to see all the flashes of brilliance. And what's going to happen is you're going to have these flashes of brilliance and do great things, and they're going to miss it, and then you're going to get discouraged, and it's going to be like, oh, I, I guess they don't really care about me here. You know what your boss wants? He wants you to be diligent. He wants to know that you're going to work hard every day, every week, every year. She wants to know that she can count on you, that when time gets hard, she can lean into you. Like, like, they want a diligent employee, someone that they can count on that's there all the time doing their best work. They're not looking for flashes of brilliance. They're looking for diligence. If you want God to bless you at work, I think this is the number one thing you can do. Be diligent. Be consistent. Pay attention to what you're doing. Because Jesus says, when you are faithful with a few things, I will put you in charge of many things. Do your job. 
Do it well. Day in, day out. Week in, week out. Year in and year out. When you look at the, the biggest companies, some of the largest companies in America, and you look at their CEOs, what you find out is that most CEOs in organizations have been at that company for 17 years. They didn't just show up and then become the leader, but they had been there for a long period of time. 24% of those CEOs have never worked anywhere else. That was the only place that they gave their life to. So sticking with it does lead to success. It does lead to promotion. And even if it doesn't, God is pleased and He will bless you. Because it says in Proverbs 21.5, the plans of the diligent lead to profit. The plans of the diligent lead to profit. As we conclude our time together today, I just want to share this with you. If you're going to be at work most of your life, God has you there for a reason. You are there for a purpose. Don't just show up for work because you get the paycheck or because it's the only place that will hire you or whatever. Show up because God has placed you there. He's got a job for you to do. When I look out today and we, we see the people that came last night and this morning and it's been good to be in the house of the Lord, but I know that each one of you are, are leaving today and that hopefully you get tomorrow off. If you don't, you go to work. But by Tuesday, you're probably back at work. And no doubt, you're impacting a lot of people around you. Let's just say there's 10 people that you're impacting around you, influencing around you, wherever God has placed you, wherever you go. And probably those 10 would never come to church for any reason. But you're there in their life. And so as you look around this morning, if it is just 10, and I know it's going to be a lot more for each one of us, we're talking on a Saturday and Sunday multiplied thousands of people that we're impacting in this coming week. These are people that will never open the Bible and never read the Gospel of Jesus, but they're going to see Jesus in you. They're going to see your diligence, your motivation, your quality. They're going to see that in you. And there will be opportunities that the Lord will give you to pray with someone or to talk with someone or to encourage someone because you're not there just for you. So realize that you are going out from this place to influence wherever God has placed you. And He's placed you there more even than in your own house. So be a light. Be salt as you go. I also want to give you this warning. Because a lot of times when we go into the workplace, there's a lot of resistance. Like you might have even heard some of the things I talked about today and said, yeah, I know that's in the Bible, and I know God says that, and I know it's what I'm supposed to do, but, but there are some bad people where I work. And it seems like they always get away with everything. And, and it seems like it's the exact opposite of, of what you were teaching today, that you know, being, you know, working hard and being diligent and stuff, that doesn't pay off. It's this that pays off, or that pays off. And these, these things that, that don't. And so you can become discouraged. Let me tell you, when you go to work, there's going to be a battle. There's a battle. If you don't realize that every day of your life is a spiritual battle, you can get disillusioned pretty quickly. You'd be like, I don't know if this works, God, because I'm doing what you told me to do, but everything is coming against me. Listen, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That's what it tells us in Ephesians chapter 6. We're wrestling against principalities and powers. The enemy doesn't like you obeying God's Word. He doesn't like you surrendering to what the Bible says. 
And so when you do what's right and you go, the enemy's going to come against you. But listen, the enemy's defeated. So do it God's way. <coughs> Even if you don't see what you want to see, do it God's way. Because I'm going to tell you, I'd rather have God's blessing than my boss's blessing. I want God's blessing because His blessing is an eternal blessing. So God has you there for a reason. And I believe God wants to bless you in your, your job. And I believe that God is going to bless you in your job. And so I'm going to ask you to work hard. Whatever you do, work hard. But more than just all the hard work, make sure your motives are right. Make sure your heart is right. Make sure you're doing a quality job. And make sure that you keep at it day after day, week after week, year after year. And if you do this, you have God's guarantee that your work will be pleasing to Him, meaningful to you, and you will be blessed. Will you bow your heads and your hearts with me this morning? God, I thank You for how practical You are in Your Word. That it speaks to every area of our life. So Lord, this Labor Day weekend, we, um, we look at work. And we realize that this is a calling that You placed on our life. God, I ask You to bless every single person here. I ask you bless their hands and you bless their minds. Lord, I, I pray that, um, Lord, you would bless them financially, God. That you would bless them with promotion. But Lord, most of all, we want to be blessed by you. We want to do this for you, God. We're going to do all that we do for you. And Lord, we want it to be pleasing to You. And so Lord, we're going to do it with the right heart, the right attitude, the right way. God, I thank You that we're not alone when we go to work. That God, You said You're with us always wherever we go. And so Lord, we know You're with us at work more than anywhere else. And so Lord, I pray that we would be bright light and we'd be salty salt. And God, that we would be You. Jesus, we would be the Gospel that they would read. That we would be the good news that people see. God, I thank You again for Your Word. May it find good ground in our heart. May it grow there. And God, I pray that we would be a blessing wherever You take us this week to work. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We're going to receive the blessing of the Lord, but before uh, we do that, bless us as we go to work too, because we want to receive that blessing. But um, every month, at the first weekend of a month when we celebrate communion and remember Jesus, we receive an offering at the end of a service. It's the only time we do it, but we receive this offering at the end of the service, and this offering goes toward those who are poor. Um, and so... Uh, we just do this because there are people in our congregation when we talk about work, they aren't working right now. They've lost their job or something has happened. And so um, uh, we give and we help people in our own community. We help people in the community outside of our doors. And then we once in a while uh, help someone overseas. But, but wherever there is a need, we give. Now this is an above and beyond offering. So you shouldn't feel any obligation to give in this offering. This is just... If God's blessed you and you have a little more money at the end of each month and you want to give it to somebody who is in need 
Everything given in this offering goes to help the poor, goes to help those in need. So if you're going through a hard time, I'm going to ask you, you don't give in this offering. This might be an offering that's given to you at some point if you have a need, and you can let us know that need in private. And, uh, and we do keep that all private. So, um, but yeah, this is your opportunity to give to the Lord and let the Lord meet, meet some needs in our, in our own congregation. But men and women, come forward. Let's pray. God, thank you uh, once again for this opportunity to give. Lord, I thank you that uh, for many of us, Lord, you've blessed us with jobs. You've blessed us with good jobs. And uh, Lord, we just pray that you would bless all of us so that we can bless others. But Lord, until then, bless us that we can give in this offering, help those who are in need, and uh, may they know, God, that you're watching out for them, that you love them, and that you are providing for them uh, through your church family. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.